0: everybody, and welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast as I broadcast live from the wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois. On this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, is you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, IGJHood. And on Twitter, it's TweetJHood. We will have our TWT Mailbox segment. We have not done this in a long time. We'll open up the mailbox and answer your questions. That were sent to me on Facebook, my personal Facebook, and on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Check the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday of interviews you might have missed, like with Tony Khan. Or just content that involves professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. Check it out in the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday Download the podcast As always, I appreciate your support So, I'm going to play for you something that I thought was very, very odd That I commented on on Twitter, as a matter of fact From a man named Brandon Thurston Do you know who Brandon Thurston is? He's a podcaster from a podcast called WrestleNomics And he made a comment about All Elite Wrestling. We'll talk about All Elite Wrestling, the WWE, MLW, a few other things before we're done here in this edition of TWT. But I want you to hear what Brandon Thurston had to say from WrestleNomics in just a moment. I think that you'll find it very interesting. But first, let me tell you about Manscaped. Support for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. I want you to use the code HOOD, my last name, H-O-O-D. Go to manscaped.com. Again, manscaped.com. Think about this. You think about... Your personal grooming, right? Have you looked what you have down there? I mean, really. I mean, man, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face and then use it on your personal section, I mean, that's kind (laughs) of nasty, right? I mean, think about it. The same trimmer on your face that you use below the waist, that's no gouda. You can't do that. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some smooth boys. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code HOOD. Manscaped.com is a brand new sponsor for the Under the Hood podcast and also Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And because you're good to me, I want them to be good to you and I want you to be good to them. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD. I think it's a perfect gift. Think about the holidays. You're always at the last minute trying to get gifts for the holidays. Well, why don't you just do it now? Especially get 20% off. Manscaped.com. Use the code HOOD. I never represent or really get behind something that I don't believe in. Of course, I believe in Manscaped because I'm a customer myself and I look down there, I needed a weed whacker. But instead of getting a weed whacker from Home Depot, I decided to go to Manscaped. Manscaped.com and use the code HOOD again. 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOD. Manscaped.com is 20% off with free shipping. At Manscaped.com, the newest sponsor for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, Manscaped.com. Again, use the code HOOD, get 20% off. Hey, men, take care of yourself down there. Reduce the grooming accidents. They've got that advanced skin shape technology. It's all good. Manscaped.com. And the promo code is HOOD. So, Brandon Thurston has a podcast called Nomics. And... I'm not one to really get deep into the numbers, granular detail when it comes to the ratings. I don't do that very often on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday because numbers, they all start to sound the same. I know ratings is what really makes shows go round and round. It determines whether or not you're a popular team or not. Hey, I'm in the radio business and ratings for my show with... David Kaplan, Captain J Hood, we watch them very closely to find out what works and what does not, what segments work, what hours work and what hours don't. So we do that, but we don't talk about it necessarily on the air. And I don't necessarily go into the deep detail and a deep dive of ratings all the time here on TWT, and we won't. But it's pretty simple that the Dave Meltzer's, the Brian Alvarez's, the Brandon Thurston's, and others. Take a deep dive in the numbers, and it's a very simple formula, which I'll explain in a little bit. But I want you to hear what Brandon Thurston said regarding All Elite Wrestling, and then we'll respond on the other side. It's 2 minutes and 20 seconds. Listen to what Brandon Thurston says. AEW fans, tell me if you agree.
1: You look at all this talent that's moving over to AEW, you look at um, some sort of these peak ratings that they've been doing lately. I just wanted to... Uh join in on on that message and say that uh, I'm worried too that AEW might be getting too good. You have to be careful in pro wrestling. History has told us when you put out shows that are good again and again you have to stop and, and question whether that's sustainable. Because once you start to put out good shows on a regular basis, people are going to expect good shows all the time. And I'm just worried that AEW might not be able to to keep up on that cycle of putting out good shows. And then when they're not able to deliver good shows anymore, people might become disappointed. I mean, if you're AEW, you have to think about maybe starting to put on some bad shows. Or even, if you think about this, if fans are satisfied, what reason will they have to keep on tuning in? You have to show a disregard for your fans' sensibilities at least every once in a while, or ideally most of the time. Otherwise, you know people will just get their fill and they'll never come back. It's it's like every relationship. You have to treat your partner badly if you're going to maintain the status quo. To be fair, you have to think about the casual fan. You know, Do you think the casual fan going to be just attracted to a good wrestling show with good promos and good storylines and good wrestling matches. I think if AEW is going to become more mainstream, they have to start thinking about the zany kind of entertainment that WWE has produced uh, year after year while flourishing, as we discussed, financially. Uh, The kind of entertainment that everyone from a 76-year-old billionaire to a 76-year-old billionaire with a 13-year-old sense of humor can find hilarious you know, people of all ages and mental states. So I'm, I'm just afraid that if, if AEW doesn't regroup and make the necessary adjustments, then AEW might become nothing but a company that delivers big ratings, sure, strong pay-per-view buys, I guess, and just gets huge crowd reactions in front of sold-out crowds. But that's all, at least as, as the last two decades plus have taught us. That is just not the way that a successful U.S.-based wrestling-slash-media company uh, grows its revenues. There's just... No precedent for that uh, in, in a lot of our lifetimes. And I would add finally that it says uh, the game Paul Levesque once said early in the Wednesday Night War. You gotta remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, we all know how that turned out for AEW. So I will leave you with that.
0: Okay. You heard from Brandon Thurston there from WrestleNomics. <sighs> so ultimately, when I first heard that, I'm thinking, so... AEW should ignore their fans. AEW should put out nonsensical storylines that don't connect from one week to the other, from one month to the other, from one pay-per-view to the other. AEW should just relate their comedy to a 76-year-old billionaire with a 13-year-old sense of humor and just be less than as a company, don't have surprises, just kind of suck for a while, have some ebbs and flows, have some suckage, and then also be able to be good at times, but ultimately, for the most part, disappoint your audience and let them expect that they're not going to get anything special unless you give it to them once or twice a year. When I first thought, saw this, I'm thinking, he's ribbing me, right? He's ribbing us when I first heard this, right? I imagine my boss, Mike Thomas, at Good Karma Brands in Chicago, on ESPN Chicago, saying, Guys, what I want you to do is disappoint the audience. I don't want you to give them what they want. Don't give them sports. Don't give them entertainment. Just kind of just fart into a mic for an entire book. For an entire ratings book. Just just, just kind of just fuck around and don't do a lot, right? Just, Just shits and giggles and... A few things in and out of the, you know, the news, entertainment, but don't give them any substance. Because we can't necessarily impress the audience every day and every month because at some point they'll be disappointed. How ridiculous is this? Unless Brandon Thurston is pulling my leg, and if he really feels that way, he has no idea what he's talking about. Here's my comment that I said to his video on TWT. I'm just going to read what I said, and then I'm going to go into it a little bit further. Then we'll get into the mailbox in just a second. So what I said is, utilize your young underneath talent and put them in prime spots every now and then. Then the company has balance with stars and upcoming stars that you can showcase. Fixed it, meaning I fixed what he was trying to say. My ultimate response is, TWT tribe, is that I learned from watching WCW under Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo what the major problem was. The major problem is is that on Nitro and Thunder in the late 90s into 2000s, what happened was is that they pushed Goldberg so much. They pushed the NWO storyline so much. They pushed um, Hogan, Flair so much, right? That they forgot about Chris Jericho. They forgot about the Luchadores. They forgot about Dean Malenko. They forgot about um, some of the underneath talent. They forgot about uh, William Regal, right? Who was Steve Regal at the time. They forgot about, you know, Fit Finley. They forgot about some of the underneath talent that actually was quality. They forgot about those guys because they pushed the NWO storyline so much that it got watered down and nobody cared. So much so that they pushed the four horsemen to the side, as if Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, J.J. Dillon, you know, Kurt Hennig, uh, Barry Windham, guys like that. Guys like that didn't matter because it was all about the NWO and Eric Bischoff. And they booked themselves into a hole and they couldn't get out of it. Because uh, the underneath talent is now in retrospect, you look back at it and you say, boy, look at the talent WCW had. Yeah, the the talent that Eric Bischoff couldn't care less about. Didn't care about tag team wrestling. Didn't care about anything besides the NWO. Did not cultivate and did not promote well enough with two strong brands, Thunder and Nitro. Somehow, some way, he could not find a way to manage all that. I can't handle three hours of Nitro. Yes, you could. I can't handle two hours of Thunder. Well, actually, if you would have booked it properly, it would have worked. Whatever he wants to say about Bret Hart. Brett, yeah, was going through a hard time with the death of his brother Owen, but my God, why was he not the face of of that particular brand, the face of Thunder on a regular basis or someone else or maybe the underneath talent? It was still WCW. People cared about the company, but Bischoff booked it into a hole. And so did Kevin Sullivan and all the other 18 writers that Bischoff blames for putting WCW in a hole. My response to Brandon Thurston in this regard is, is that Brian Pillman Jr. and the Gun Club and Dante Martin and decide who is going to be a star out of the dark order, what tag team or what singles is going to be a star out of the dark order, and who's going to be a star out of the factory, and Wardlow, and what's going to happen with 2.0, who comes out of 2.0 on the AEW roster, that's how you are able to put those wrestlers in a position in the semi-main or in prime spots where you think you can get numbers, you start building that roster from the underneath. See, we already know that Brian Danielson and CM Punk and Adam Cole and um, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega and The Elite, we know all those guys, Cody Rhodes, all those guys are over. We understand that all those guys are over. Then you get more veterans that are coming in for AEW. Those guys are over because they've been on WWE TV. We get it. Those guys are over. Chris Jericho, all those guys are over. But you have to be concerned about these other wrestlers I just mentioned, along with MJF and the guys that are 25, 26, and younger, that they need the seasoning. Hell, AEW's got four shows going. They got four shows, Monday, Tuesday. They got show on Wednesday, and they've got the Friday Rampage show. So they have plenty of time to cultivate this talent and push the talent forward. That was just the men's division. The women's division have e- has even more talent. I mean, Britt Baker as a champion is outstanding. It's, it's fascinating to watch her and the na- dynamic she has with the audience in AEW. It's great. But at the same time, it's not just about Britt Baker. It's about other talented young stars that can get over. It's a lot of green talent. Green green as grass talent in AEW. But my point is is that instead of what Brandon Thurston says, oh, you know, just just screw it, like disappoint the audience, you know, have more comedy, do more sports entertainment. Wait, so to so be just what WWE is? Now from Brandon Thurston's standpoint, I'm sure he thinks well, how did Vince become a billionaire? Well, Vince became a billionaire not based on comedy and haha. He became a billionaire based on top draws. Hulk Hogan, the blood and sweat and tears of Hulk Hogan, of Ric Flair, of The Ultimate Warrior, of Randy Savage, of Ricky Steamboat, of Stone Cold, of The Rock, of The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. The list goes on and on and on. John Cena, Roman Reigns. And it's a long list of guys that are at the top of the card that were actually main event stars, that actually drew money and TV ratings, those wrestlers were able to make Vince a billionaire. The TV deals aside, all the stuff he did for TV deals and what he's doing internationally, uh, put that to the side. That's also money making, but how are you getting those TV deals unless you have compelling television? So the idea that, you know, having these characters again, and we're going right back to the cycle we were in the Bruce Pritchard era in the past, where we're starting to get characters and all this other stuff, and, and some of these vignettes that don't make sense or the storylines that don't connect. That doesn't make Vince money. What makes Vince money is actual talent. Randy Orton's part of that as well. Edge is part of that. And, you know, again, I can go on all day on this podcast about those that people came to see wrestle. At WrestleMania, and Survivor Series, and, Ro- and the Royal Rumble, and, and SummerSlam, and all the other events in between. And that's how Vince made his billion. So the idea that that Vince McMahon, because sport, he calls it sports entertainment, which we know, and he knows is professional wrestling. But again, this is how he gets all these advertisers now to... Uh, be attached to his brand because, yes, it's ropes, and it's a ring, and it's an arena. Hell yeah, it's pro wrestling. We know it is. He knows it is too. But he did this because he wanted to show advertisers, hey, we're just not wrestling. We're just not just side headlock takeover. We are characters. And again, for his company, that's fine. But what Thurston's saying is AEW should be the same, and I call bullshit on that. The, the last thing that I would want as a wrestling promoter is to be just like the WWE in ring. Sure, I'd love to have their TV deals. Sure, I'd love to have their money and, their, and a lot of their roster. But I, I'm not trying to have my show exactly like theirs. A carbon copy of theirs, Because you know why I know that's a bad idea? Is because other companies have tried to do the same. That's the TNAs of the world, that's the WCWs of the world. They all try to do the same. So I, I don't agree with Thurston's uh, assessment that the WWE, uh, the way they do business, is exactly how um, AEW should do business. I don't agree with that. The, the, some of the wrestlers I mentioned, and this is off the top of my head, the, the Gun Club and Dante Martin and Wardlow and who this this 2.0 that they're trying to push and guys in the family. all these. Uh, Factions, the Factory, and the Dark Order, you got to be able to spin stars out of this and decide, okay, besides the top of the card, besides seeing CM Punk and and, uh, Kenny Omega and who's going to do, and Brian Danielson, all these guys, who else are must-sees? And that is where the WWE has it wrong here in 2021. The most must-see talent in WWE is Roman Reigns. There's no question. Every time I see Roman Reigns, I want to hear what he has to say and see what he has to do. It's very rare in WWE to see someone that's must-see on a regular basis. And Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and the Bloodline is the most interesting thing on on that show. The most interesting thing. You move forward to other stuff that's a little silly or things that are not as quality. Hey, nothing beats Roman Reigns right now. And so um, that's where AEW cannot fall short. It can't just be about being the elite. It's not about the elite. It's not just about Kenny Omega and the championship. It has to be about other things for the company to be sustainable. So let me point this out too as I move forward here regarding Tony Khan and AEW. Okay. I read something, and when I read it, I smiled because I feel like I'm on the right track. I feel like I'm just not blowing smoke up your ass when I talk about the past of wrestling and marrying the past to the present. Here's what I mean. I said, and you can go back to the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and I talked about this. I said, my advice to Tony Khan is, and if you are a P1 and avid listener to this podcast, you know you've heard me say this, maybe more than once. I said that it is important For Tony Khan not to let the boys run the business. And when I say the boys run the business. I mean the way Eric Bischoff allowed the boys to run WCW into the ground. The boys meaning Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and Kevin Sullivan and Greg Gagne and Terry Taylor. And whoever else Eric Bischoff wants to blame uh, this week for the downfall of WCW. Anytime you listen to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, his podcast, he always deflects and says, you know, I don't remember this. I don't remember this angle. I wasn't in part of this angle. That dude was the executive vice president of WCW, and he had so very little to do with the programming that he always fades the heat to someone else. Oh, it was someone else. It was someone else. Did he ever have a say on anything when it came to WCW? Well, I said the same thing about Tony Khan, because as you well know, the executive vice president's... Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um, Jim Ross is a a part of this as well. As far as the upper echelon and those that have a say in the company, well, there's been rumors out there regarding how the EVPs, some I just mentioned, are losing their quote unquote power around AEW. So, my good friend Mike Johnson from PWInsider.com, and we haven't had him on in a while, we've got to get him on um, because I love his perspective. He's always got great thoughts about wrestling, and does has a great website, Uh, He talked to Tony Khan, just like we've talked to Tony Khan here on TWT. You can hear that in the archives of this podcast. The response to the rumors that the EVPs, the executive Vice Presidents, are losing power in AEW. He says, yeah, Tony says, yeah, I saw those rumors this week, and I thought it was pretty disingenuous stuff. From Some of the internet wrestling writers because nothing has really changed in recent months and really the structure changed for me at the end of 2019 and it was because of me listen to this I felt like I needed to take over and be more accountable as a CEO and as the booker I was the final say but there were probably too many different people with input on segments And this show wasn't as organized at the end of 2019 as I thought it could be. So for the past two years, we've been a lot more organized. And I've written every show by hand, which allows me to know which segments are where. And I think the shows have gotten significantly better. The fans have enjoyed them more. They performed better in terms of ratings, and it's been a good change for us. But I saw someone reporting that recently in the news, and that's not because we talked about this, like over a year and a half ago, we talked about this, and I went on the record. I talked to you about it, and Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, he even wrote about it, and a good account of things that really nothing has really changed. Khan continued that actually his 2020 New Year's resolution was to take on putting the shows together and avoiding content, he wasn't in favor of airing. So it goes on. You can read it on WrestlingInc.com. You can also read it at PWInsider.com, the entire transcript of the interview that Mike Johnson did with Tony Khan. And I will say kudos to you, Tony Khan, that you took your company over. Well, no shit. You're the CEO. From day one, if you're the guy that's running the company, you should have final say. But again, learning you know—learning and growing pains from a young booker. And you could just tell how, how schizo that this, comp, this show was early. Where you said, boy, that's good action, that's good action, that's good action. But how does it connect, right? So, AEW just can't be this super indie that just has just matches and no story, right? You can't do that. That's how NXT was before the 2.0. Really good matches, but they're very, very light on story. And so it's good that Tony Khan can say, look, i got to be more accountable, and these these storylines have to connect. Now, it's not a perfect world yet for AEW, don't get me wrong, it's, it's fine, um, but they still have a long way to go to be able to look at the entire card and say, I know what the top of the card is, I know what the middle of the card is, I know who the upcoming stars are, and it's well-defined. Now, he's put himself in this position, and and by the way, you're not going to turn the money down if if Turner Sports gives you this, if Bleacher Report gives you this, but there's talent spread over four different shows, similar to the WWE in that regard, too. It's all spread out. Monday, you you got a Dark, you got an Elevation, you got a Dynamite, you got a Rampage, you got all these different shows. Now, again, I'm busy, so I don't get a chance to watch all the AEW shows. But somehow, some way, this all has to connect and make sense to uh, every week AEW viewer. I, I just I find this all interesting. That is for sure. But it's good to see Tony Khan with some accountability and saying that yeah, early on, yeah, the show was all over the place. Well, yeah, yeah, because as I said, don't let the boys run your business. Otherwise, Kevin Nash has the pencil, and Hulk Hogan has the pencil, and Scott Hall's got thoughts. And, you know, and so in India, all these boys, guys in the back, Jimmy Hart has thoughts. And then Kevin salt you don't need that. One person, the reason why, one of the reasons why that WWE has been successful, for better or for worse, is that the buck stops with Vince. And Tony Khan has to realize the buck stops with him. Let's open up the mailbox as we are brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Go to the website as I read some of these letters here. Again, Manscaped.com. Look for the promo code HOOD. You get 20% off. I'm really happy that we have a sponsor uh, that's supporting the show, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and my Under the Hood podcast as well. So check it out, Manscaped.com. And again, look for the promo code HOOD. I think it's a great gift. I've got one, and it's, it's pretty cool. Okay. David Hogan says... Cody has been a polarizing character in AEW, to say the least. When I look up and down the AEW roster, he is the biggest star in the company, in my opinion. The whole show feels so much bigger when he comes onto the screen. The reception he received at Grand Slam in New York was quite eye-opening to me. Do you feel like a heel turn would straighten this Cody situation out, or do you think that he has go-away heat at this point? That's from David Hogan uh, in the TWT mailbox. Well, Cody Rhodes, as you heard uh, in the archives here of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, go back. I was able to do a um, podcast with C.J. Taylor from the C.T.J. Report, and um, we were talking about Cody Rhodes and how he was booed out of New York, and by the way, That was a very, very impressive showing. Not only in Rochester, but also uh, at the Grand Slam event at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I mean, it was just tremendous for AEW in those two markets in New York. Uh, I think they had two really good showings for Dynamite. Nevertheless, um, so Cody Rhodes is very similar to his dad, Dusty. Dusty never liked being booed. There were certain places where there were smart fans... Uh, in Greensboro, then Charlotte, Chicago, some in New York and Uniondale that would boo Dusty Rhodes in the 80s because you see Dusty Rhodes and he would always be the guy that was the number one contender and he could never win the championship. He won it three times, but it just seems like he was it was always him as the number one contender against Ric Flair, right? Always trying to get the championship. And so there were some boos there. Dusty Rose did not like that. He would call out the fans that would boo him. Because he's like a white meat babyface. And he's getting booed. And he didn't like that. And so Cody's going through the same thing. Cody will tell people that, oh, they're tired tropes. These are all tired trope baby. They're like, the whole babyface and heel thing isn't real. And there's a reason why Cody wears white, or a reason why he's got the the big time, you know, ring jacket and the tights to match and the boots to match that. And he brings out his lovely wife, and he brings out his dog, and he brings out Arn Anderson. The reason why you do all those things is because you are a babyface, right? And it is difficult for some regular fans to look at Cody Rhodes and say. Wait, you've got this beautiful wife, this beautiful smart wife, right, that also works in the company. You're an EVP. You have Arn Anderson, who's beloved as a veteran. You have all these things, the white dog coming down to the ringside, all this stuff, right? So what that makes you a baby face? Okay, great. And you don't think you're a babyface? Okay, well, F you. You're not a babyface then. We'll just boo you. Um, there is a triple... It's funny that people compare what he's trying to do to Triple H and Stephanie. Because Triple H and Stephanie, they knew what they were. They knew that they were heels. They work for the WWE. They work for they're the Black Hats, right? They are the Yankees or the Red Sox, I guess, in this um iteration of you know, of teams there at the top of their game, right? The evil empire. So Cody Rhodes, I think, is going to be a heel at some point, but he will say that I'm just gonna be myself and people can just Decide if I'm a babyface or a heel. There's no question. This whole thing with Tommy End, um, he is the uh, he is not a heel. It's just people don't care about Cody Rhodes as much. That guy's on TV show Rhodes at the top, and there will never be a review of that show on this program. By the way, not doing that. Um, <laughs> I already know their story. I don't need to see it on, on a regular show. I mean, uh, you know, uh, if I want to see that, I'll watch Total Divas, which I'll never watch that either. Um, so I, I just um, I think David that he is polarizing. He says in these conference calls, his media calls that I'm on when he represents the company as an EVP, like oh it doesn't matter you know if I'm a baby face or heel. It does matter to him. He wants to be a baby face. He wants to be beloved. Uh, so he might turn heel on Arn Anderson, but Cody still is going to be who he is. So it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. I would. Push back on him being the biggest star in the company. Chris Jericho happens to be in this company as well. Ted Z from Hammond, a P one, appreciate your support, Ted. Teddy says AEW has obviously uh, had a meteoric the meteoric rise. It's been a long day. AEW has obviously had a meteoric rise the last few months. What could stall the All Elite brand aside from Vince? Relinquishing some creative control, how can WWE push their young talent better? Okay, a couple of questions there. So, what could stall the All Elite brand? It's, that's kind of what I mentioned earlier. If you're so top heavy with your company that all of a lot of the vignettes or all the attention is only on Brian Danielson, only on CM Punk, only on um, Kenny Omega and the Elite, uh, only on Adam Cole, if it's only on those wrestlers and not some of the younger talent in the, on the roster, then you're are going right back to WCW's mistakes. And All Elite, for what they've been able to do, what to, could stall them out is ignoring tag team wrestling, Number one, ignoring tag team wrestling, uh, not taking care of the young talent and putting them in a position where you could see them and say, boy, yeah, you know, Brian Danielson, we know he's awesome. His career is made. Chris Jericho, all these other veterans, Sting, all these wrestlers, right? But what about the young and -and up-and-coming talent? Because that's what matters. What matters to AEW should be not just the veterans that they're able to get in, but also the young talent. So that's one answer to that question. Aside from Vince relinquishing some creative control, how could WWE push their young talent better? Well, the whole thing is that Vince has to die in order for the young talent to be able to get better. <laughs> Seriously, like, and I'm not looking forward to that. He can live another 50 years if all I care. It doesn't I mean, Vince McMahon is not going to relinquish any of his creative control. It's just never going to happen. And I know that that is a pain in the ass for some people, but the buck stops with him. There's only one person to blame, really. I mean, you can blame creative, but it all goes through Vince. I, I don't know if we say that enough on this podcast that, you know, as much as we can look at Bruce Pritchard, and I thought it was odd for MJF, by the way, to mention Bruce Pritchard by name in Rochester uh, on Dynamite. I mean, I know that's a shoot with the audience. Ooh, he said Bruce Pritchard, and the audience, you know, regurgitated that. They they were like, oh, God, really, Bruce, Bruce Pritchard? Um, but uh, he's never going to relinquish some creative control. It's never going to happen because everything in that company goes through Vince. And pushing younger talent better? Well, I mean, it's funny when I hear Bully Ray, my colleague on Busted Open on XM, or when I hear Mark Henry, or when I hear some of the other uh, former wrestlers that worked at WWE and t- talk about the WWE experience. When I hear my guy Mark Henry say, Keith Lee, you're Bearcat now. Man, just make it work for you. I mean, just make it work for you. You're Bearcat. So, you know, just be Bearcat and work that gimmick and then if you make the gimmick work, then the old man's going to notice and he's going to push you up the card. And it's kind of like if you're Keith Lee like, "Who the fuck is Bearcat?" Right? It's like <laughs> Like I know who Bearcat Wright is. I know who he is. Is there any available film on Bearcat Wright? Right? I mean, is there any like sustainable like archive footage? Did they give him did they give Keith Lee like a box of like real to real films, right? Some movie films on Bearcat Wright from the WWF. Did they give him some of that stuff and say, okay, you're gonna be this guy, right? Bearcat Wright, what does that mean? Like Bearcat Wright had a claw. Is is Keith Lee going to have a claw now? Bask in my glory with this claw right to your abdomen. Bask in my glory. Like, like, what is he going to do with that, right? You, you know, now, this is something that Vince gave Keith Lee. You're going to be Bearcat, goddammit. And it's like, Keith's like, yeah? So what does that mean? You know, there, there's certain characters in NXT 2.0, I'm sure, that they're like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Who am I? You know, carrying uh, uh, cross is like why am I dressed this way, and why am I losing half the matches, and why am I am on, I on, am I on two hundred five live, why am I on the main event? What's going on here, right? So it's just certain things where it's like there's plenty of young talent in, on this in this company, and I just don't know whether they'll ever be pushed to a point where you look at them and say these guys are the next guys. Now remember, remember one thing, Ted. From the WWE standpoint, they have a new outlook on things. They have gone back to the 80s. That's what they've done. They've gone back to the 80s. That means that they, and Dave Meltzer talked about this. This is in the archives of TWT as well. They're going back to body guys, big guys. That's what they've gone back to. This is what many of you listening grew up with, 80s and 90s and body guys. You know, guys that look good. And muscular and tall. And it doesn't matter if you can work or not. Just if you look good, that's good to for Vince. They don't want any anymore the indie guys. The quote-unquote indie guys. You know, the guys that can work. Many of them. The guys that can actually wrestle. And that can really uh, thrill people. They don't want those guys anymore. They want body guys. And that's Bruce Prichard's influence. And I'm sure that's Vince's influence. Is where he goes back and forth on what he wants. And he doesn't want the workers. He doesn't want Brian Danielson anymore. Didn't want that guy. He doesn't want that. He didn't want Kevin Owens. He likes Kevin well enough, but not a body guy. He doesn't want any small. He didn't want Adam Cole. You know, guys that can work. The reason why you come to the arena to see Adam Cole when he's in NXT. Nah, didn't want Bobby Fish. He doesn't want big. You know, big. You know, super heavyweights. Didn't want that. Like Bronson Reed. Nah, no. He wants strong body guys. Almost. He wants guys like that. Guys that are tall. And can't work. You know, a number of guys in that company now that are terrible, that can't work, but yet they're body guys, so Vince thinks it's okay. Jason Richmond says, if you were in charge of Ring of Honor, which two free agents would you go after? Bray Wyatt would be number one. And I gotta look at a list here. I don't have a list in front of me. Uh, I could say Buddy Matthews or Buddy Murphy That comes off the top of my head. Um, You know, you want to make a splash? Tessa Blanchard. (laughs) How about that for some controversy? Tessa Blanchard. Bring her back to the United States. Make her a super heel. Make her the top of your women's division. And bam, you got it right there. I know that she's persona non grata based on comments that she allegedly made. But you want to make a splash? You do that. Jason, it's funny you mentioned Ring of Honor. And I'm not going to go on a 30-minute rant like I probably should on Ring of Honor. Uh, but it is a shame that Ring of Honor is not in the mix. Not in the mix for some of these top free agents. It's, it's just a shame, Jason. It's, it's really a shame. Because Ring of Honor could be AEW today. And if AEW, I'm sorry, if Ring of Honor put together a plan, not just with their Sinclair television uh, networks and channels that they own, if they really put together a game plan and said, at the time where Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and others were there, and they all left to go to AEW, if they would have put a plan together and said, guys, we are going to go national. Outside of our Sinclair television stations, we are going to find a cable outlet. And we're going to be on, and we're going to take on WWE, and we're going to take on Impact Wrestling, and take on New Japan and everybody else. And we're going to keep our relationship with New Japan, and we are going to kick some ass. We're going to make some money. We're going to get out of the dark arenas in Baltimore, and in New York, and you know, rural Ohio, and we're going to, in, in the small arenas here in Chicago, and Villa Park, or wherever. You know, Chicago Ridge. We are going to go some places, and we're going to make some money. Imagine what AEW is doing right now clearly Ring of Honor had the opportunity to do that but they did not invest Ring of Honor has some of the best talent in the country that not enough people know about they have some of the best matches that I've see that not enough people know about because they are limited because they are very regional as a company. now they have got the Ring of the, the Ring of Honor club and they've got their website that's fine but the point is, though, is that Ring of Honor could be a lot bigger than they are right now. So it's a great question, Jason. I don't have the free agent list in front of me, but, I mean, those two off the top of my head, I definitely would go after. You want to make a splash? Bring Tessa Blanchard to your company. Do that. And then look at the the Buddy Murphys, Buddy Matthews. Look at, you know, Bray Wyatt. Check out some of these other wrestlers. And also, you know, I would also look into uh MLW, if I'm Ring of Honor, when Jacob Fatu or Hammerstone, when those guys and their contracts are up, I would ask them, come to Ring of Honor. If they had the money and they had the gumption and the balls to do that. I mean, you could ask for those guys to come to your company, but if no one sees them, what's the point? Maurice King, for my college days in Chicago, my college uh, compadre says, wish we could talk wrestling like we used to. Well, you're doing it right now on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. What do you think, he says, should happen with Wyndham Rotundo? Personally, someone should uh, bother negative one simply for him saying, that's okay, I called my uncle. <laughs> okay. Personally, someone should bother negative one and, and simply to say, that's okay, I called my uncle. Uh, that is from Maurice King. So, Maurice, you ask, what should... What do you think should happen with Wyndham Rotundo? Well, Bray Wyatt more than likely will go to AEW. And my question is, as what? Is it going to be the same gimmick, a different gimmick? What does he come back as? I just read before I clicked record on our podcast today that um, Bo Dallas is not interested And going back to wrestling right now. He's on a farm. He's farming. Apparently MLW and uh, the people there. Including Court Bowers. Asked about Bo Dallas. And Bo says I'm not interested in wrestling right now. Which I found fascinating. So I'm thinking that that's exactly what's going to happen. With um, Ray Wyatt. Wyndham Rotunda. uh, That he will go to. uh, AEW. And the hope is, is that. He doesn't get lost in the sauce because it's a very talented roster. Very top-heavy with veteran talent. Um, the thing i all always remember about Bray Wyatt is, is that he was a WWE champion. was never the man, though. Similar to CM Punk and Rey Mysterio and Kofi Kingston and so many others. He was the champion. And it always befuddled me because along the same lines as King Curtis or Jake the Steak Roberts or Raven or Kevin Sullivan... Uh, Mark Lewin, all these guys didn't have to be champion. They were always, they always had evil personas. A long, there's a number of others that I'm probably forgetting right now, but those off the top of my head. And Bray Wyatt never needed the championship. He never needed to be the champion, um, but he was two or three times, and it didn't make sense to me. He might have been over, but not to the point of being the champion. He was never a draw to me. He was always just a, an attraction. That was always dangerous. And I think that that is more valuable than carrying around a championship. And I think it uh, led to his downfall. Steve Arendt, my buddy, says, Danielson versus Omega was rated a five-star match. A, do you agree? And B, do you respect the rating system? Cody resoundingly booed. What's your take on that? Well, we talked earlier about Cody Rhodes. It becomes That seems like it's a topic here. People asking me about Cody. Cody... Uh, deserves to be booed because Cody says there's no baby faces and heels. When you put yourself on television, you got a TV show, you've got a beautiful wife and dog and all this other stuff as I mentioned earlier. I mean, people it's not like they resent it, but it's kind of like, what happened to the Cody that first came into the company? And so you know, the narrative is, is that Cody has forgotten who he is there could be a turn there on Arn Anderson that would not surprise me. The rating system um you know, I always thought that the rating system is just based on your opinion and not someone else's. I know the rating system first started with Jim Cornette and his friend. They had a rating system. They the the idea of the rating system came like this. So, Jim Cornette and his buddy were watching Memphis wrestling. Jerry Lawler Bill Dundee, Jerry Jarrett, they were watching Memphis Wrestling. And Jim Cornette told his buddy Dooley, he says, you know what, we should have a rating system, you know, like TV Guide. Some young people listening was like, Hood, what is TV Guide? TV Guide used to be something you could buy in the grocery store where they'd have all the TV listings of all of the stuff that's in your area. If you had, obviously, if you had local TV, All the TV listings for weeks on end would be in that TV guide, along with articles about TV shows and stuff like that. And so they used to have star ratings for the TV shows, All in the Family, two and a half stars, Sanford and Son, three stars, or a movie. They'd have movies on there, and they'd say, here's Star Trek, and it's a three-star movie, or here's Gone with the Wind, and here's that star system, whatever it was, right? And Jim Cornette told his buddy, he says, you know, we should have a star system in wrestling. And they did it as kind of a a goof, right? Just as a lark. And Dave Meltzer picked up on it because Dave Meltzer ran those same circles. And he started the star system. And so so that's how it started. The star system started wrestling really with Jim Cornette and his buddy. And then Dave Meltzer picked up on it. And he started putting five stars and six stars and seven stars into uh, a rating system for wrestling. I couldn't care less about it. I'll say sometimes, hey, that seemed like a four-star match, five-star match at times. But it doesn't really resonate with me. If Danielson versus Omega was rated a five-star match, good. Good. I think it was an excellent match. For television, that was an excellent match. No question. And and the the draw that they had made me want more. So I, I... you know, I, I the rating system, I'm indifferent to it. Like, my, I have my own star system. and If you're a wrestling fan, you have your own star system. So, I, I mean, I'm not beholden to anyone's system. I just look at it as, boy, that was a great match. Or, boy, that was a good match. Or, boy, that was a horrible match. Right? And so, either way, I think it's it's up to all of us to be able to think and rate what we think is good in wrestling. And not look at Dave Meltzer and, and nothing against Meltzer, but it's just like if he says it's a five star match, cool. But that doesn't I might disagree. Uh doesn't make him right, doesn't make me right. It's just the opinion of those who are watching. Dennis Day says, Who is your MVP for 2021 so far? Uh that would be Roman Reigns. In wrestling, that would be Roman Reigns. There's no doubt. I appreciate Roman Reigns. Because he was able to get a hold of his creative and not go thuckering, thuckatash, the line that he was given at Once Upon a Time. I'm glad that Roman Reigns now has full autonomy on and control of his own promo. It's a different cadence. It gets away from the what chance and all that other stuff in some of these middle uh, America cities that WWE goes to. When he gets on the mic, there's no what chance. He gets, it's a, now people are leaning in to find out what he's going to say. It all started, by the way, being in that Thunderdome where he was able to speak freely. There was no fans there, and he could just verbalize and talk about what was on his mind. And I think that this whole thing with him and Brock Lesnar is hot. I think it's terrific. I think that Paul Heyman being in the middle of this is also very interesting to me. So I think the MVP right now is Roman Reigns. He's got, his, he's got his cousins around him. And every week on SmackDown, you have to find out what happens next. Roman Reigns, with his bravado, his promo, his ability in the ring, all that's good. But he still has a little chicken shit heel in him too. He has all of that working for him. He is a modern and a past heel all in the same package. And I will give Paul Heyman and I'll give creative a lot of, uh, credit for what we see in the package. Now, Roman right now, again, Romans promos are all his, right? Which is great because he comes across cool and he comes across arrogant. And he comes across, you know, better than everybody else without having to tell you that he just says, acknowledge me. And it's great when he does that, right? Kansas City, acknowledge me. Omaha, acknowledge me. And he gets booze and cheers, and it's always a mixture because people are like, wow, this guy's really, really good. So he's the MVP so far. Jason Wayne Carter says, when are we going to book a territory? Jason, you are so right. I want to book a territory so badly. (laughs) I want to book a territory so bad with the free agents that are out there right now. Man, if I had the money... If I had the money and the TV, and I know that's two things that a lot of people in Russell don't want to hear the two things they'd never want to hear. Hey, I got TV and I got money. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. Once they hear, I got TV and I got money. It's like, Oh, Oh, that's always a sign of maybe not so good things for a wrestling company. Uh, I think Tony Khan started that. Says I got I got money. He's had to get the TV. Now he's got both, and now he's successful. And so is uh, so is the WWE and, uh, and Vince McMahon. Uh, I love to book a territory. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what. Can I tell you the territory I'd love to book? I would love to be the promoter and booker and owner of Ring of Honor. You've heard me rant about this even in this podcast. Um, I would love to be able to to get a hold of Ring of Honor or MLW, one of those two. I would make sure that a company I would run, I would make sure that that company would have plenty of um, quality free agents, TV time, digital time, and uh, we would we would compete against AEW. I, I don't know if I could compete at WWE, but I could compete against AEW with the remaining free agents out there, and, and also underneath talent that's all in all these indies that I see, and also around the country, around the world indies. Man, I think I can make put together a nice roster, and I can put together two TV shows out of my same roster and compete with AEW. I think I could. As a matter of fact, I know I could. I wish I just had the money to do that. <laughs> if I could. Now, look, I think all of us wrestling fans think that we could book, right? I'm, I've am i been watching wrestling so long. I know it works and what does not. But my number one company I'd love to be able to control is Ring of Honor. If I had that opportunity and if I had the money and had uh, a TV network like Paramount that I could sell my whole library to... If I was Ring of Honor, I would, I would bring my hat in hand to Paramount and say, you need programming. Let me see what I could do. Here's my roster. And you say, and they'll say, well, where are the stars? Well, I'd get the stars off of the free agent heap somehow, some way. Cobble together a roster that's already talented, by the way. Ring of Honor has a talented roster, without question. Add another 10, 12 guys uh, or women to that roster, and get myself on a Paramount, uh, either Paramount Plus or put it on one of the Paramount channels like <clears throat> BH One, and put it on on a night where I know that I can succeed for an hour or two. Shit, I can make some money, and then put my company in a position where I can go to some of these big big cities and these small cities uh, that really want wrestling. There's a lot of B and C towns in this country. And not just in North America, but across the country, across the world as well. Some of these B and C towns that get wrestling once a year, I'd go there two or three times a year and make bank. I, I just, I have a whole plan in my mind and I really think I can really be successful. I'll just stop right there. <laughs> but, but Jason says, when we're going to book a territory, that's the one I'd book. I'd book Ring of Honor or MLW. And if, at the worst, I'd be the third best company in North America. My guy, Uptown Eric Collins, a P1 to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Eric says, do you think Vince will consider AEW competition when and only when Dynamite goes up against Raw on Monday nights? (laughs) No, he considers them competition now. Don't get it twisted. Um, He's concerned. I know that he says, it's not like Turner and WCW. They're not really competition for us. No, no, they're competition. There's no question. And he knows it too. Because anytime you look at the granular numbers, the the ratings of how AEW does with men or with women, uh, how Dynamite rates with Raw. And I know, and I've heard Eric Bischoff just recently say, hey, Raw's against Monday Night Football, so it's not comparable to what AEW does on Wednesdays. Okay, let's start at January 2020 and just let's see the difference between the two. Um, and, And actually, it's so funny. If Dynamite ever went up against Raw on Monday nights, Dynamite would get destroyed. They would. Now, I don't know how many weeks they get destroyed, but but originally, I don't think Dynamite would ever surpass Raw in the first couple of weeks or even the first month. Again, AEW such a young, upstart brand, and they're doing really well. There's no doubt. But it's really about... The sprint. It's not, you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's really about the marathon and not the sprint, I should say. I don't want to get the uh, expression correct, of course. Uh, It's really about the marathon, it's about the long haul. Ah, uh, for both of these companies, for Vince, they've been in this for a long time, and for AW, they're doing well. My, I don't want AW to look at themselves and say, you know, we're going to be just like WCW, and I don't want to see Tony Khan laying on top of a motorcycle like Eric Bischoff and smiling just because you've beaten, you know, you've beaten uh, WWE programming in the demo and all this other crap. I don't, you know, it's really about how you could develop a wrestling company that people will enjoy for a long time and it's about developing young talent along with the veterans that's how they work so when Eric says do you think Vince will consider AEW competition win and only when Dynamite goes up against Raw on Monday nights no he considers them competition now even on Friday nights he considers them competition so there's no doubt but I think that Smackdown is the best show for WWE I've enjoyed that show with Roman Reigns on it um, and that leads me to the draft of course don't forget to go to manscaped.com, again, manscaped.com, and you get 20% off by using the promo code HOOD. It's a great gift for you, a great gift for someone else. Go to manscaped.com, manscaped.com, use the promo code HOOD, and get 20% off. Now let's take a look at the draft. So the draft. Day one of the draft, here's what it looks like. It, on the raw side, it is Biggie. Bianca Belair, RK Bro, Edge, Rhea Ripley, Nikki A.S.H., Keith Lee, Ray, and Dominic Mysterio, Austin Theory, SmackDown side, Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, Drew McIntyre, The New Day of Kingston and Woods, Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. I, I've seen this act on... <laughs> saw this act on Friday. It's funny that I'm laughing at this because that's all they were laughing at. I guess, I guess that is uh, something that you see in real life, right? You see two guys and they're just laughing at everything, right? They're two friends and they're buddies and they always laugh at everything. It's just, it's a strange gimmick. Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss, all he's doing is holding his stomach and laughing. And I'm just like, what is, I mean, I guess there are obnoxious people that you see, you know, in your everyday life, and they're like laughing, and two guys is laughing at nothing. It's, I don't understand it. Um, hit Row is on SmackDown. Well, that that's really quick for a Hit Row to be on SmackDown, but again, that's more entertainment than professional wrestling. Naomi is on SmackDown, so is Jeff Hardy. So that's one. Day two results on Raw is Becky Lynch, Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Damian Priest. AJ Styles and almost Kevin Owens, the Street Profits, Finn Balor, Karrion Cross, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, and Gable Stevenson. So when is he supposed to wrestle? Like is, is he he's on the roster because he loves the WWE? Boy, you put that out there first. He put it out there like, hey, I'm a WWE fan. It's all good, blah blah blah. And so and he gets drafted to RAW. And I don't know when he's supposed to be in the ring. I know that he still has more competition on the amateur side. But he's on the Raw draft roster. Other side, SmackDown will have the Usos, Sasha Banks, King Nakamura, and Rick Boogs. Sheamus, Shayna Baszler, Zia Lee, the Viking Raiders, Ricochet. Wow. What happened to that guy? You talk about a guy that should be in Ring of Honor or MLW. Ricochet doing nothing on this roster. Umberto... Carrillo and Angel Garza is on, are in SmackDown. That could be something good, actually. I like them as a tag team. Cesaro, Ridge Holland, and Sami Zayn. All the extras, Raw has... Let me see here. Additional draft picks were announced Friday night after Talking Smack. Raw will continue to have Nia Jax whenever she returns, Drake Maverick, uh, Reggie, Zelina Vega, Tazawa, Alpha Academy... R-Truth, John Morrison, Dewdrop, T-Bar, Apollo Cruz, and Commander Aziz. SmackDown will have Aaliyah, Tony Storm, Drew Gulak. Again, what are you doing with Drew Gulak? That guy should be in AEW. That guy should be someplace else. Mace, Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor. Also, the other additional draft picks on Raw, Dana Brooke. I, I heard, I did not see this because... God forbid I'm watching Raw, but I heard that Dana Brooke got run over by the announce team. They said she hasn't done anything. She's been in the company for seven, eight years. She's done nothing. I heard they buried her in commentary. Tell me if that's true. Uh, hit me up on Wrestling TWT. Tell me if that's true. Dolph Ziggler is with Raw again. Robert Roode, Jason Riker, Veer, Liv Morgan, Mia Yim, Tamina Snuka, Tegan Knox, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and The Miz. SmackDown has Shotzi Blackheart, Natalya, Jinder Mahal, and Shanky. The only thing that this tells me is that the WWE broke up all their women tag teams for the most part. <laughs> it's like Natalya's on SmackDown and like Snookers on Raw. Why'd you break them up? Liv Morgan and all the, it's are they not doing away with the women's tag team championships? I mean, there's no I don't see any discernible quality women tag teams. You, you see these t- teams together like Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. is just the same thing we've seen for the last 50 years in this company, just putting two people together that are odd couples. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, the draft is garbage and has been for a long time. The, the draft is garbage. I've never been a fan. Um, and, and the reason why I'm not a fan of the draft, my friends, is because it doesn't mean anything. I mean, like in a few weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the raw people go over to SmackDown and vice versa. If you're having a draft, you're supposed to have two different. I uh, have a line of demarcation and have two different rosters, right? A raw roster and a SmackDown roster. So why is it that the wrestlers keep going back and forth? Because it's not real. We understand what wrestling is, but the idea that you're trying to have a draft and you're making a big deal out of it, but yet the wrestlers keep going back and forth and from one brand to the other. Look, if I'm just a blue brand person, if I'm just a blue brand person and I'm just a SmackDown fan, I'm like, okay, all I care about is SmackDown. I don't watch Raw. I don't watch anything else. I just watch SmackDown. Then why would I want to see AJ and almost on my show on SmackDown, Right? I mean, there's a, there's a way to just watch one show and just be like, I'm a SmackDown person, right? Drew McIntyre, also part of the SmackDown. Okay, great. But I don't want to see him pop up on Monday night against Tazala because he's supposed to be a SmackDown person. So it just should be one roster against the other. <clears throat> I just I don't understand it. I just don't get it. That's why I just think that the, the draft is garbage. I never was a big fan. Let's see what else is on my list. Oh, NXT 2.0 thoughts. I've watched some of this and it is a far cry from the NXT that I remember. It's a, a complete rebuild. This is the equivalent of having a championship team, NXT, and just tearing it down. It's like the Florida Marlins when they won the championship and they completely tore it down the next few years. Why? I mean, if you won the championship, don't you want to have sustained success? That's what happens with NXT. Like, I'm nothing against, like, um, Rick Steiner's son, uh, Bron, whatever his name is. Like, I, I, I think that uh, Bron Breaker. I think that he's, you know, that I think he can really be something. He's going to be a, a title contender and maybe win the NXT Championship at some point. Um, but you know what saddens me is that I watched a lot of the um, the takeovers. I never missed a takeover. I rarely missed an NXT show, and I just thought that the wrestling was solid. I always said NXT could be better on storylines besides the main event storyline, but it wasn't horrible. It, I, I just that, you know what? It's a little light on story at times, but the in-ring was quality. I mentioned to you the last um, takeover that t- took place at the CWC. I thought it was one of the worst that we've seen, but it wasn't horrible. It was like a C plus, and so now you, you have these vignettes, and now you're going with the characters, and it, to me, it's kind of like, dude. You had the golden goose, you had a good formula, but the philosophy changed as within, in which they got away from the independent wrestlers and they're going with their own homegrown talent. And if you got to be strong, you got to be a, a bodybuilder pretty much to be in that company on the NXT side. So this is not Triple H and Shawn Michaels' image at all. It's not their imagination. It's not, I think, what they look for uh, in an NXT brand. I thought the NXT brand was better than Raw more more times than not. As far as the lineup up and down the card, um, their takeovers were better than Raw. But now it's just a bunch of kids. I would not go across the street to see NXT today. I would not go across the street to see NXT. I would not. There was a time that I would. I would definitely go for miles to go see that NXT brand. And as you well know, NXT, there was a time where NXT could sell out an arena on their own. Yes, it would be a tentpole event like a WrestleMania or SummerSlam, or whatever, that was attached to it. But that Saturday night, when TakeOver was sold out because people wanted to see the young talent. They were seen the young talent before it was even on USA Network. They were seeing it on the WWE Network. And they said, you know what, we watch the WWE Network, we know it's good wrestling, we support Triple H, we're going to sell it out. And they squashed it. They said, nope, we're going in a different direction. So 2.0, even though it looks good on TV, and I like the the aesthetics and everything else, um, it's going to take some time for this roster to build or for me to be interested in it on a full-time basis again. So there you go with that. Uh, Support MLW. They're going to be on Vice on Thursday. Uh and that's gonna be good. If you have Vice in your area, check out MLW. They've already had their card, but they're gonna be on MLW. Check that out. I think Vice is gonna be the new channel for Major League Wrestling. I like Court Bauer. We have a good relationship and I just hope the best for his company. That's a company there that I wish they were on every week live, if they could. <laughs> That'd be awesome if they were live every week carving out their own niche in wrestling as a third if you know uh the third best brand in North America. That's what I wish that would happen. And maybe they are right now. Who knows? But there's a number of companies, including the NWA, that could really be able to make some pay and do some good things, uh, just as WWE and AEW is doing. Uh, And one last thing I want to talk to you about, and that is Big E. Big E said something very interesting on Busted Open on SiriusXM. Listen. You know, Big E, I was there the night at the Meadowlands when you were with Dolph Ziggler outside the ring when he won the WWE championship and the place just went berserk. You know, what was it for you seven years later
1: to be able to have that moment for yourself and the crowd to react the way they did when you won the championship?
2: Oh man, it's uh, pretty incredible. So for me, I don't really know if I've talked much about this, but um, for me, kind of my marker, when I first realized this is the role I'm going to be in uh, as a heater, as a bodyguard was like Batista is kind of that was like the best case scenario as a guy who came in as a heater and then eventually became a star. And he was always the guy, like I hoped that one day I could take this role as Dolph's bodyguard doing something fun. And like like you said, man, that cash in that's an all time great cash and in. that moment, that's when a lot of, of pops ever. But uh, yeah, that was always my hope. And you never know, man. A lot you know, it's not it's not too common you see heaters and bodyguards really do a whole lot more beyond that role so uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, it definitely took me some time but uh, I'm grateful I got to go from, from that moment to uh, my, my journey with the New Day and then uh, getting to becoming WWE Champion
0: And that'll do it for this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday a Super Size Edition God, we're about an hour eight in I had a lot to talk about Hope that you enjoyed this. All I ever ask is for you to tell people that John The Hood Talks Wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, right here, wherever you download your podcast. And I ask you to support the new sponsor for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, Manscaped.com. Again, Manscaped.com. And put in the promo code Hood. H-O-O-D, that's my last name. Manscaped.com. And use the promo code Hood. It's great for grooming, especially you men. It's time to start looking down there. And try to figure out how I could look better down there. And the personal grooming touch that you need, man, it's all right there for you. Manscaped.com, Manscaped.com. Thanks so much for checking out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We'll talk again with another edition very soon, right here on TWT. Don't forget to leave your comments. Love your comments at WrestlingTWT on Instagram and Twitter. Until then so long for now up oh.